there, you're listening to the Park Rush Podcast. This is a Thing Park Podcast. I'm Tom, joining me as ever is Josh. Hello there. Hello there, Josh. How's it going? Uh, not too bad now. I uh, had uh, some internet woes midweek, uh, which meant that uh, the show notes went up very late, but uh, pretty good now. Oh. Uh, did your internet woes get in the way of more important things <laughs> at all, like work? Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. how, how, how did you manage to, how did you manage to overcome the internet issues during the week? All of well, a sudden your excuse for the late show notes has been ripped up and has become, you know, unacceptable. All of, all You've of let the, the fans down. Uh, links and stuff uh, for all of the articles that we reference were on my main desktop, which didn't have internet access. And, and I, I guess I was, I, and my setup doesn't allow easy copying across and all of that nonsense. So um, I had to wait until I had. I, I fundamentally I had to rip out Power Nine adapters that usually run my desktop, switch to a different setup, all because I got a record player, <laughs> and it's com- created a complete mess of uh, the internet setup in my room. You sound like a man, or you sound like a, a, a child blagging his way out of why he hasn't done his homework or doesn't have it with him. Uh, I'm well, not buying I, it. I did the homework. It was just like almost a week late. But yeah, this turntable sounds like a terrible purchase. You were having problems with it last week. I yeah. can't remember. Oh, it was your headset. Your Bluetooth was uh, all, no, that, all over the shot. And... That was my that was my Wi-Fi issued stuff still. Oh, right. Um, well, your headset then, was dropping out. You couldn't hear me at the start of the podcast last week, and now now you've yes. had patchy internet for much of the week. I mean, yeah. I, I, I hope everything sounds completely and utterly pristine at all times to justify this, uh, uh, no, this not, nonsense <laughs> that you're dealing with. No? Still, oh, still got Lob- a weird static noise on my left audio channel on my when I'm playing something from my... Uh, new record player which is really frustrating doesn't happen on any other input my uh pc my xbox analog in from the front just on uh this one input which is really frustrating what a buy this has turned out to be yeah don't you just love when you've spent a lot of money on some technology that is having some frustrating growing pains and then some absolute loser keeps giving you stick because your expensive purchase isn't working in some way. My dad certainly likes it when uh, when I do this. I bet you're enjoying it also. <laughs> what a waste of money, Josh. You spent uh, how much? How a much? Lot, a, a lot of money. How many Argu- times could you have gone much. to How many times could you have gone to Disney World for the amount you spent on a turntable that has not just got its own frustrating issues but also seemingly out of spite? has also tried to break much of the other technology in your room, even technology that, as far as I can tell, is completely unrelated to what a turntable is meant to be. My turntable broke my Wi-Fi. That's a mad statement. Uh, it, it wouldn't, it's not, I haven't spent enough to go to Disney World, certainly not from, the, from London, you know, with you know, flights and accommodation and uh, theme park tickets. I could have gone to Alton Towers a lot of times. Um, well, yeah, it's because yeah, power line adapters not good for um, RF frequency, believe it or not. Turns your whole house into a radio antenna, which then uh, gets picked up by analog cabling very, very easily. I do. This is this a weird tech podcast now? This is yeah, what, this has become Josh's tech ten minutes at the start of every podcast. Go, we have a deep dive on the new ways in which you're turntable has broken something yeah um but if you if you're an amateur radio enthusiast don't get power line adapters in your house it will mess it up it's yep. good to know i will certainly take that on board because obviously i'm a massive audiophile and at some point plan to invest in a turntable so i'll take this all on board for when that purchase finally i'm almost certain there's happens. some crossover Sure, there's probably someone out there listening to this who is is curious in some way about turntables. I mean, hey, look, if you're a Park Rush podcast aficionado, then you know as well as I that you must be an absolute sucker for exquisite audio 
And so based on that, may well have interest in high-tech audio hardware. Yeah, so. only the highest available over here. Well, I've had a better week than you. I've I've had a week off, which has been great. I, I you don't you don't really appreciate how lovely a week off can be until you actually have it. Even though obviously I've been stuck at home, it's uh, it's illegal to go anywhere, certainly theme parks right now. So I've I've been stuck at home, but I've been out and about quite a lot on walks, enjoying the snowy conditions that we've had this past week. Very scenic. Took some nice yeah. pictures. The uh, iPhone camera got a good workout. For the first time, really, because since I've had that phone, I have not done any traveling at all, which is where I do the vast majority of my uh, photography. So uh, I, I put it through its paces out and about in the countryside and took some nice shots. But yeah, uh, a week off. I recommend it if you're, if you're working hard or even if you're hardly working. It's uh, it's worth taking some time off during this lockdown to sort of refresh and uh, spend time relaxing and enjoying life. I have found it to be quite useful. Turned off news alerts on my phone, oh. muted emails, not really been on Twitter that much, like cleansed my Twitter bio so no one knows who I am and, I, and I'm not getting like, I, I occasionally get messages from people with like story ideas and stuff. Don't want any of that. I've just, you know, gone off the grid pretty much. Uh, and then in a bizarre twist, Josh, I've been offered a coronavirus vaccine. Oh, so what? if you're still having internet problems, give me a couple of weeks when I'm, my signal has been sort of fully charged and I'll just come around, just stand outside your house with my arms up in the air and that should improve your signal. Yeah, that's it. Job done. Uh, I'm also waiting confirmation, but my understanding is that my vaccine will... Uh, come with Microsoft Office pre-installed, so I'll have Microsoft Word, Microsoft Excel, Microsoft PowerPoint, everything uh, yeah, fully you available have to, pay to the me. Subscription for that, though, unfortunately. Oh no, I'm getting it on the NHS, so it's oh, as far as okay. I'm aware, it's all yes. good. It's all good. It's the NHS edition of MS Office. NHS Beautiful. MS Office is what it's called. And so, yeah, it's um, it's exciting stuff. I genuinely have no idea why I've been offered the vaccine, but according to a message I got from my GP, I'm at increased risk of coronavirus. It's like, oh, great. Well, it's nice to be told about this a year <laughs> later. <laughs> and, you know, I've probably been exposing myself to uh, to the virus potentially more than most over the past year, considering that even during the lockdowns, I've been going to work and uh you know, outside lockdowns and in free time, I've been, you know, I've gone out a fair bit. So, yeah, I don't really know. I, I guess my first question when I turn up is going to be, all right, well, why am I at increased risk then? Did someone write something down on my file about 10 years ago? You know, am I adopted? <laughs> what's it does the, seem that way, right? What's, what's the issue here? I don't know. But I just have a, a great, you know, picture in my head of me turning up to the GP. You know, there are... 60-year-olds standing outside with pitchforks and torches, angry they haven't been offered the vaccine yet, and I have to sort of shuffle through them. <laughs> it's fresh-faced kid who looks about 12. Excuse me, I'm just going in for my vaccine. Don't mind me. Don't mind me. Uh, I'm, clearly very, I'm clearly very vulnerable. Um, but yeah, there we go. I'll let you know how I get on. It puts me one step closer to Disney World, I guess, having a vaccine. Yeah. Feels um, like the only way you're going to be able to do in any international travel over the next year or so is if you can prove you've had a vaccine. I know they keep saying we're not going to do vaccine passports in the UK, but my understanding is, you know, not long after they say they absolutely won't be doing something, they tend to do it. <laughs> so I'm fully expecting vaccine passports <laughs> to be announced at some point soon. And uh, I will be able to get one, I guess, and jet off to Florida at some point, perhaps. Perfect. Can't can't argue with that. I mean, you probably uh, could just like go anywhere, right? Speaking of Florida, actually, Josh, I did read a news article today that they're considering sort of just basically banning travel in and out of Florida. This being the White House, uh, because apparently that it's one of the states with like the highest concentrations or the highest rates of the uh, UK variant. Uh, we've gone global. Which which UK <laughs> variant? Uh, I guess the the original, right? The Kent one. Kent. Uh, I guess it's inevitable, right? I mean, Kent soon to be the home of the UK's greatest theme park. 
uh, and the virus this this particular variant of the virus has now made its way to the to the home of the the world's greatest theme parks arguably so we're just you know we're establishing good links between north kent and florida which hopefully will only grow and strengthen in the uh, years ahead you know as the london resort becomes a reality so maybe that's what's going on here anyway uh, josh before we dive into the news which is uh, basically entirely based on a uh, rather eye-catching disney investor call earlier in the week we were going to try some stuff this morning and it failed what happened what's going on oh uh yeah uh it's we we technically went live uh for all of two minutes uh earlier <laughs> this today as we're recording on a saturday uh, we yeah. were going to do some Park Tech multiplayer. Uh, then it turned out it's not cross-play. No. So. You, you cannot play between PC, Mac, and Linux. So that was a shame. It does have a big fat beta label on the multiplayer tab of the main menu of the game. So I guess we, we shouldn't complain too much. It, you know, it was a free update. So hopefully they... they patch that in at some point soon yeah, and we crossed. can check that out but right now with me stuck on my lowly mac i cannot join in with some parkitect fun one thing i did notice though i mentioned to you beforehand i've been playing a lot of nintendo switch lately and roller coaster tycoon 3 for switch is on sale right now it's like 11 pounds i was somewhat tempted i think if it had been roller coaster tycoon adventures going for 11 pounds i might have bought it just for you know uh educational purposes we might have been able to make a podcast episode out of it because we were planning to make it part of our theme park review video game review series last year but we skipped it because we were put off by the frankly obscene <laughs> 45 pound price tag and uh it's still 45 pounds so yeah yeah not not paying that not paying that much right well disney investor call then uh i guess you you can sum it up by saying or asking the question uh, will disney uh, theme parks be back to normal anytime soon and answering them with no and then walk <laughs> away that's basically it uh, but there are a few there are a few lines that have come out of this this week so i guess the 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 big headline for me at least I don't know about you, Josh, is that Disneyland California and Disneyland Paris are expected to be closed or remain closed for the entirety of the second quarter of 2021. So that would take us up to uh, July before they would expect to be open, which would put Disneyland California at having been shut for well over a year and Disneyland Paris having spent much of the last year closed. It's been up and down like a yo-yo that place in line with how the virus has been going around France. Uh, Josh, if I yeah. told you last March that Disneyland wasn't going to reopen until July of the of the following year at the earliest? I wouldn't believe it. I would can't believe it. What would you have thought? Can I believe no. it? How do, you see things, how do you see things going? I mean, Disneyland, presumably when it does reopen, let's say, best case scenario, it reopens in July, it's going to be in probably in the position that Disney World was uh, in July of last year, when that was reopening, you know, with very limited capacity and all that stuff, so it's it's going to be reopening in a very different state to how it closed. The the rules in California, like the, the, the striking differences in rules between you know California and Florida, is kind of mad. Like obviously over here, we've got our devolved governments, and so they've we've got different rules between England, Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland, which Personally, I think it's kind of mad because then you get a lot of confusion. But the fact that the rules in America are like obviously state by state, so it's even more confusing is is absolutely insane. But yeah, obviously they they did that thing where they opened up like the main street of California Adventure, and that seemed to work quite successfully. So I think I think Disney are doing their best there to try and figure out how well or how best to uh do that reopening if that ever becomes available to them but yeah it's uh just it's, there's so many factors going into it certainly now that biden's in charge as well um the rules have kind of the rules of engagement have kind of changed again so yeah 
I guess you know California is very heavily obviously Democrat state, so they've probably been among the more consistently responsible when it comes to their restrictions and whatnot. I think you know they loosened things a bit last summer. You saw a lot of people heading to the beaches and stuff, and I think that probably turned out to be an unwise move because California, along with like New York, has been one of like the biggest hotbeds of the virus in the US. Yeah, and of course now. The, the kind of ultimate end game of all this is that Disneyland is operating as one of the state's biggest vaccination centres. <laughs> oh, which is just such a dystopian image. I can't... I mean, you don't get... You can't get more dystopian than that. Tinkerbell no. shoving vaccines into people's arms. <laughs> it's just really just scary. Uh, but it is what it is. I guess, you know, the key thing, really, it's not so much, you know, when comparing California and Florida, I think the key difference really is uh, the governor in Florida, Ron DeSantis, is, you know, he's a he's a Trump loyalist. He's a bit of a nutcase and has been advocating for businesses opening up and staying open and operating as, as close to normal as possible throughout this entire pandemic so far. You had that crazy situation last week, obviously. I mean, you'll be able to speak more to this. You watched the Super Bowl, right, which was in Florida, and there were like 20,000 spectators in there. I mean, did that... I didn't watch it. Did it look crazy? Was there much social distancing going on from what you could see? Obviously, it wasn't as big a crowd as would be normal, but that's still a lot of people. Um, From what I could see, it looked fairly well socially distanced. Uh, As far as I'm aware, you know, they'd all been partially tested before coming in. Um as well as you can for 20,000 people and they had to wear masks a lot of the time uh and uh, and that sort of thing so and it, it, you know they they did um so I was watching the CBS coverage uh, and and they had like a setup in the kind of car park walk like you know so fans could walk past and that sort of thing and people seemed to be fairly vigilant there i'm pretty sure some of the, like quite a fair number of the people there were medical staff who had been vaccinated already so that was cool um and kind of things like that so i think they did a half decent job of it uh obviously it's hard to say because you won't necessarily know the numbers coming out of it how uh how many people got the virus from going to from attending that event and that sort of thing so um but it seemed like it was doing a fairly good job yeah i guess it will be a couple weeks still uh or you know maybe a week or so before we can fully appreciate uh, how much virus spread about because of the Super Bowl, if if any. I mean, you know, if if a lot of the tickets had been given to healthcare staff who'd been vaccinated, if their social distancing was enforced properly, and people were wearing masks and stuff, then maybe maybe we'll be pleasantly surprised, and and there won't be a big upsurge there. But yeah, it, it just it just looked weird, right? And I think actually yeah. for a for these kinds of events it's it's not it's in some ways it's less about the event itself uh, because they are very controlled or can be very controlled in enforcing the rules and stuff it's when people are heading to the event and coming back from the event and yeah um i think public I think transport that's less of a problem is, in america yeah i was about to say like people probably more likely to drive themselves you know I think one of the big considerations for sports events here in the UK is that a lot of people will be taking exactly the same routes, uh, you know, big football matches, for example. I mean, I can only really speak to going to Arsenal semi-regularly uh, in London, but, you know, the tubes and the trains are absolutely rammed in the yeah. hours leading up to that uh, and, and afterwards as well. And it's, you know, tens of thousands of people using exactly the same routes to get a certain... Uh, distance at least and then it will start to disperse obviously the further you get away from the stadium as as people shoot off towards their different homes but for for large proportions of your journey to and from matches like that you're completely rammed together and it's basically impossible to enforce anything even if you cut capacity so that would be my main concern for something like this but yeah i guess uh people's travel habits are a bit different in florida than they are uh in London, for example. Yeah, for sure. Uh, certainly in Florida, I think, you know, public transport is kind of poor. Um, I mean, it's pretty poor across the whole of the country. But, you know, this, most of the people will be driving there. That's kind of one of the big things is that they've got these big car parks uh, at all of the stadiums so that people can just drive there. So 
Disney, you know, Disney, they've bought Lucasfilm, they've bought Marvel, they've bought Fox. They just need to buy the state of Florida and just broaden, you know, the purple lampposts as far as the eye can see. And then the tram, you know, the Disney cable car, in fact, can just link the entire state. And then you're, you're, you're sorted, really. You can get a, you know, you can ride a Mickey Mouse cable car all the way from Orlando International to Disney Springs to Magic Kingdom to your NFL, to your MLS, to your NBA, and down to Miami Beach. Just get it everywhere. It'd be great. So that's the dream right there. That's my proposal. <laughs> um, all of the stadiums are going to... St- well, so the NFL said that all of the stadiums now are going to be used for vaccination centres, as vaccination centres. Uh, yeah, I guess because the season's over, right? So Yeah, Super Bowl is the end of the season. So uh, I think they did it. They've done a pretty good job, I think. Uh, you know, as the season goes, you know, they've, they've gone through every single uh, weekend of American football. They've gone through it, rightly or wrongly. Some, I, it's still kind of unfathomable to me how these people at such a high level get COVID at such a high rate, considering all they have to do is not right. go out. Um, you know, we see it a lot in the Premier League as well, right? Where teams have suddenly been hit by a bout of COVID. It's like, well, where are these people going? Why are these people all of a sudden... Well, in the case of the Premier League, I know there was, there was a, one chap at Newcastle who went and got a haircut. And, I mean, it's one thing to break the rules to go and get, hair, go and get a haircut, but to then post about it on Instagram <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. takes a special kind of stupid uh, to completely expose to the world the fact that you've broken the rules. So I guess that's how, Josh. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. <laughs> Because uh, they have to look good on TV still, right? That's uh... well, you know, the Premier League is full of people with suspiciously well-maintained hair. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I never even heard of that guy until we posted on Instagram. So, well, there we are. You know, his his stock has obviously gone up. Yeah, since since then. But I guess he just kind of you know exposed what a lot of people would probably suspected had been going on for a long time. Because, like I say, you don't get those perfect fades and. Um, you know, just brilliantly maintained hair in general. You don't, you don't get that uh, without some work being done every now and then. So there's definitely True. some questionable behaviour clearly going on among Premier League footballers to keep themselves looking TV worthy, like us, obviously. Like obviously, yeah. Uh, it's a surprise this isn't a video podcast at this point because people would be truly dazzled. I would <laughs> imagine. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, so um, Disneyland, the original point is that Disneyland probably going to be shut uh, for the rest of the second quarter, or well, we're not even in the second quarter yet, so the rest of the first quarter and then the second quarter taking us up to July, and it'll be the same, it sounds like, for Disneyland Paris because no one in France wants the vaccine, from what I can tell. No No, one wants it. No one's interested. So that's Disneyland Paris on ice for some time, which I think affects me more because I was... I've said it plenty of times. We had this Disney World Florida trip planned for last spring. Didn't happen, obviously. It got pushed basically exactly 12 months in the hope that the world might have sorted itself out by then. Clearly not, so it's not going to happen either. So I've kind of pitched the idea to the family a few times. Was, oh, maybe, you know, Disneyland Paris in a sec- you know, at some point this year might be doable and we can kind of get a, a quick hit of Disney to keep us going and then... Yeah, hopefully we can perhaps look to reorganise Florida again for 2022. So, yeah, yeah, but this has cast out on that, you know. If Disneyland Paris is absolutely nailed on shut till July and France, I think, is in a position where it could easily... It could, like The pandemic could have quite a long tail in France, like the peaks haven't been as high as, for example, in the UK. But we're sort of in a position now where hopefully we can sort of cut the tail of this whole thing off by getting everybody jabbed. Whereas in France, if no one's going to take up the vaccine, then they're going to run into a problem because they'll just struggle to get the numbers down without lockdowns. And as we've seen, uh, once you've come out of lockdown, the cases will just go back up again, inevitably, unless you vaccinate. So, and if they're not going to be able, if they're not going to do that at a huge scale, it's difficult to know how they ever get back to normal, really, unless they just yeah, let true. loads of people die. Uh, I mean, we've done both, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's possible. 
you can do that. But yeah, uh, do you do you thought of Disneyland Paris at all as a potential uh, return spot? Because I think previously we'd spoken like, oh, we probably wouldn't go back unless or until there's loads of new stuff. Because we kind of touched every base while we were there in 2018. But I think given everything that's happened, it's kind of accelerated my desire to to go back and get a, a relatively affordable and easy Disney fix. So that's um, kind of my, my thought on it. No, not really. Um, <laughs> oh, all right. Sorry. What are you even doing here for? Do you even like theme parks? <laughs> I mean, yeah, but... I, I mean, go back to your, your turntables, nerd. Your, your, your focus is on disney whereas there's some very good theme parks in the uk that you could go to if you wanted a theme park fix um, i guess so but i don't have nostalgia for them josh well that's because you've never been to them tom well exactly and it's too late uh, you can't develop nostalgia at my age maybe you should, i'm old and vulnerable josh i'm getting the vaccine are you not paying attention you say do i even like theme parks tom do you even like theme parks tom I love theme parks. Josh. How many theme parks have you been to that don't have Disney or Universal above the door? <laughs> uh, oh, that's a good question. Like three? Yeah. What, what you got? Bush Gardens? Oh, no. Yeah, sorry. I'm underestimating myself. Yeah, Bush oh, Gardens, okay. SeaWorld, Legoland, um, Chessington. You've been to Chessington? Uh, yeah, I have. That is uh, a shock. Four. I've got a few. There's a few more, I'm sure. Yeah, Chessington. I think there's a there was a log flume there, and somebody. I think it was my mum lost a hat uh, on the log flume at Chessington. So that's why we haven't been back. Traumatic that experience. Was, that was like a Chinese themed. I think at one point. Maybe don't know. Weirdly. I think you could see tigers on it at some point. Uh, yeah, it's Chinese like weird mm. Chinese tiger theme for some reason. Yeah, that sounds. Right, I guess. Um, that is Feasible. that is more zoo than theme park these days, once again. It, cer- so, uh... it, it certainly is. In fact, I, I think we talked about it last summer in our sort of, hey, UK theme parks are reopening, here's what's happening. And I, I think you know, this is purely based on very anecdotal evidence, people posting pictures on Twitter and stuff. It seemed to me like that was one that was struggling more with the whole social distancing thing, maybe because it skews a bit younger and you get... Yeah. bigger families going with kids and it's just a bit of a nightmare whereas Thorpe Park, Alton Towers you have sort of an older crowd who can kind of understand the rules and probably go in smaller groups. Yeah, and still ignore couple, the rules but... Uh, couples and small groups of friends and that kind of thing. Um, still completely ignore the rules but they, at least they know the rules. True. True. Uh, anyway, yeah, so Disneyland, Disneyland Paris, I guess I'm not qualified to talk about them, I've been exposed as a fraud so we'll yep. just move on. <laughs> uh, now this, Josh, this was uh, also interesting to me. I think kind of hard evidence of something we've suspected throughout this pandemic. Uh, Disney spending on the theme park projects uh, went down by almost 50% in the last quarter, which I think, you know, we've spoken a lot about how the narrative around Disney during this pandemic every time you see or not every time but a lot of the time you see a disney story um generally about disney world because they're the only ones that have been open consistently over the past sort of nine months or so it's about them cutting something uh whether immediately or in the future uh, there yep. have been a few exceptions obviously like retheming splash mountain and you know doing some work to jungle cruise but there have also been a lot of stories about them cutting stuff uh, we've had it with like the the bus service from the airport. We've had it with, you know, shows like some live entertainment that hasn't returned. Uh, dining options have been scaled back to a large degree. Tron is obviously a notable recent example. Uh, that ride seemingly will get done at some point, but uh, it's being put on the back burner. Uh, and obviously, you know, there are plenty of delays and 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 cutbacks that people are going to be willing to accept because of these unprecedented times, but feels to me like Disney occasionally need to throw the fans a bit of a bone. And like I say, they have to an extent with announcements around Splash Mountain and Jungle Cruise. Obviously, these are kind of, you know, updates, refreshes for, for existing things rather than new stuff to get excited about. But yeah, to me, this uh, this figure, this 50% uh, spending drop, 
it's just kind of indicative of something we've kind of suspected for a while. So when do, yeah, when do you see it turning round, Josh? Um, I feel like I feel like they kind of they kind of need to because there's I think that there's growing chatter uh, around the sort of theme park space that I've noticed anyway a kind of renewed optimism around Epic Universe and and that Universal might actually go ahead with that still like it sounds like whilst work has obviously slowed i think if the pandemic had never happened you'd probably be at a point now where you were seeing stuff going vertical you know rides being built and show buildings and stuff whereas it's still very much at the laying the foundation stage and doing infrastructure work but they are still doing that infrastructure work like they haven't flat out stopped which i think has got something and, and i think universal's financial or comcast's financials you know for the theme park division have obviously been hit badly, uh, but the Orlando parks have, all things considered, done all right uh, throughout this. And I think people have been pretty happy with the quality of product. Con- you know, again, all things considered. So it seems to me like you know there's a there's an opportunity here for Universal to make you know a, a very aggressive move by moving ahead with Epic Universe. I think we talked about this before. At which point would you expect Disney to kind of? be caught on the back foot a little bit or do you think they'll have something they can bounce back with or do you think we're being too harsh on them considering they might say well you know we've got Vemi coming and Guardians Coaster and Avengers Campus at Disneyland the Star Wars Hotel etc you often stick up for the mouse (laughs) what you got this what you got from this time um no I mean I think I think they probably would say we're being too harsh on them like I've said before, they are cash poor at the moment because obviously most of their cash comes from the theme parks and from uh, box office. Having said that, you've got to speculate to accumulate, right? You know, I think it's hit them at a, at a not a tough time as such, but obviously they bought Marvel, they bought Star Wars uh, or Lucas. Um, they've built uh, Star Wars in both Florida and... Um, California, they have uh, stuff going on in Paris. They're you know they're, they're doing stuff kind of all over the you know they've they've been redoing the castle in uh, Hong Kong, so there's stuff going on everywhere, and I think they'll go hey look we have been doing stuff and then but then you kind of go well yeah but as with everything that you've been doing for quite some time now, you've been penny pinching everywhere. Um, and nothing ever comes out as good as you say it's going to to begin with, and you know, this the the way they work is fundamentally broken in terms of you know they go hey look at this amazing concept art, and then when the thing comes out it's like well this is like half the stuff in that concept work just doesn't exist, whereas Universal does hey there is nothing going on at all, nothing to see here, and then. The thing comes out and you're like, oh my god, this thing's amazing. It's true. I, I like to think there's a healthy middle ground. You know, I think the universal, the, especially you know, we talked to last week or the week before about the U- universal uh, social media accounts are uh, quite funny and quite open to throwing shade, which is all good fun. Yeah. Uh, and even at themselves and taking the mick out of the fact that this whole kind of nothing to see here. It's like the it's like the um, Leslie Nielsen. <laughs> meme which is great but yeah i feel like there is a healthy middle ground to be struck between maybe the wildly optimistic concept art that gets shown off years and years in advance and doesn't quite and always ends up kind of disappointing people and also the hey just don't say anything until like way 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 close to actual opening time and you just have this ridiculous situation where a ride is almost finished and people are walking around not being fully clear on what it is uh, or they do know what it is but only because it's been reported on by bloggers and podcasters and universal is you know keeping stum for some reason yeah. I, I think there's a, probably a middle ground between all that where you can you know announce something and generate some excitement and hype for it uh, without yeah, leaving absolutely. people hanging for months and months or even years but um it's like uh was it guardians of the galaxy ride at Epcot. Yeah, that that feels like it's gonna like that that ride is almost gonna feel old by the time it's like, done so because it feels like we've been hearing about it for years already. I feel like between that being announced and now we've had uh, Hagrid 
and the Velocicoaster be fully built. Is what it feels like. I don't know if that's strictly true, but yeah, but you're right. It just feels like that. Um, so it's kind of yeah. insane, uh, and I, I just doesn't. I don't know. Like, it's Epcot is is a prime example, right? Like the the artwork for the concept work for that was amazing. You know, it had this like multi tiered you know, upper floor garden area, and none of that's being built. None of that garden, no. upper floor garden area is being built. Mary Poppins area is not going to be there. You know, just don't admit, just don't show this stuff. You know? Yeah. Un- under promise, over deliver. It's what, it's, what you should, it's, what you, it's what you should really be looking to do. I think it feels, it feels like almost the, uh, the government, the UK government runs PR for Disney. Just constantly being like, we've got to have a world-beating Epcot garden. And then it's like, it's going to turn up being a fountain where you can feed bread to the ducks. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Or something like that. And again, it's one of these things where, you know, Disney is at a, such a, a point of um, kind of capacity and that sort of thing that you can't get more people into the park. So how do you make more money well, you charge more and you cut costs. As I think I, I mentioned previously with the sort of GameStop stuff, uh, the only way for Disney to... Disney has to look like it's making prof, you know, more and more profit every year, right? To satisfy investors. So how do you do that? Well, you charge more and you cut costs. And that's what they've been doing year on year, but fundamentally at Disney World and, and all of the Disney theme parks. Yeah, I do think, you know, it's worth noting that it's not just Disney who have, I mean, Disney have kept ticket prices the same, they're offering less, but keeping the price of the same during all this, Universal are doing the same, they are also offering less and charging the same amount. But I think, you know, people, I think the, the people they're relying on right now, because the tourism industry is dead, are the locals and a, a large proportion I would imagine of those locals will be like the hardcore fans that are going to keep on coming every weekend maybe multiple times a week uh, to escape you know I, we can it's a separate argument whether theme parks should be open to the extent that they are at a time like this but you know if Disney and Universal are allowed to be open you can't blame them for for being open and and in fairness I think they've both had really quite positive reviews in terms of their safety measures and they're kind of doing all they can to keep the theme park safe yeah. but i think despite all those measures uh, reminding you of the fact there's a pandemic on i think they're probably still a good source of escape for people and as i say it's going to be those hardcore fans primarily that are going right now and i think that like i said it's this case of kind of throwing them a bone right like they'll keep they, they, they're keeping on spending these high ticket prices to keep going if they get a sense that on the other side of all this, there's going to be a, you know, a bigger and better park, you know, it's not just going to be returned to normal, but there's maybe even going to be more for them on the other side. I think they'll keep coming and feel all right about spending the money. And you look at something like universal, as you say, they, they opened Hagrid not long ago. They've got Velocicoaster coming. If they were to say, okay, yes, we are doing Epic universe. That'd be very exciting as well. And like Disney, yes, they've got, they have got stuff coming and we shouldn't forget that. I think in some ways, actually, their problem is that it's all stuff that we've known about for so long that it does it really does already feel old. Whereas Universal, it's like it doesn't feel like it's been that long since Velocicoaster was an idea in our minds. You know, like how long ago was it that we started talking about them doing a roller coaster at Islands of Adventure in Jurassic Park like a year ago, like maybe just over a year ago? I don't know. Maybe not even that. I can't really remember to be honest but like you say it feels like guardians of the galaxy was announced so long ago that it's already going to feel old by the time it's here yeah for sure and um and it, when, when i say about this disney stuff it's not a it's not really covid related it's just a long-term disney thing um mm, no for they've sure. been doing for quite some time um and i you know i don't think disney's in this position where they don't feel like they have to worry about it because people it's disney right so yeah yeah, um, I think Disney will always yeah. probably be like one, two, three, four in the most visited theme parks category in the US. Yeah, Florida, they're not in Florida anymore. They're not in Florida anymore, though, are they? I don't think so. No, I think Islands of Adventure has broken 
broken the broken their hold on it. And Epic Universe, if it comes out, would would threaten them even more, really. And I, I was listening to a very interesting conversation on the Inside Universal podcast where they had on, and this was like a throwback because I thought I recognised his name. Uh, they had Seth Kaberski on. Now, any British listeners out there who used to go to Florida as kids, maybe, of a certain age, a lot of our age, uh, my mum used to, without fail, uh, certainly in the early years and then even later when we clearly knew basically everything we were doing uh, and what there was to know, but we still bought this book anyway. It was the unofficial guide to Florida, basically, uh, primarily focused on the theme parks, but also a bit of a general view of the place as a tourist. And Seth Kaberski was kind of the was the was the author, so he's still knocking these books out, <laughs> and has just released his uh, a new one, uh, solely dedicated to Orlando uh, to Universal Orlando. And obviously, with it being the twenty twenty one edition, it's got it's been updated. I think he said you know he's updated it more this year than any other year previously because he's got to take the pandemic into account. Uh, so anyway, he's been doing the rounds on various theme park podcasts and blogs and stuff to, you know, plug the book. But, you know, there's some, been some interesting analysis, I guess, that's come out of these interviews he's been doing. And he was saying, well, Universal may well look to the past f for inspiration on Epic Universe because Harry Potter was very much being worked on as we came out of the 08 financial crash. And by the hmm. time that yeah. first one opened at, uh, at Islands in, was it 2010, I think? You know, we were just coming out of that and having invested, they they drove investment in the park. Like they got people wanting to spend money, even coming out of this really disastrous economic situation. When people finally felt like they had some cash to spend, they wanted to spend it to go to Universal because they'd heard so much about this incredible Harry Potter experience. And that kind of catapulted Universal to new heights, certainly in Florida. Like you think of where the parks were then and where they are now, like the standard of new rides keeps going up there and they're way more popular than they used to be. I know people mourn the old stuff like Jaws and King Kong, but the crowds are getting bigger and bigger. So they might, you know, I know Epic Universe is a bigger, much bigger investment than Harry Potter was at the time, but maybe they'll look at that and think, well, yeah, maybe actually, especially while interest rates are low, maybe we should crack on with this and give it three, four years. It will be open, it will be done. People will hopefully... COVID will hopefully be a me distant memory and people will be excited to spend money on a new theme park and then they could, they could you know, eat even more into Disney's lunch. Oh yeah, absolutely. From this investor call, Disney uh, Parks recorded more than $1 billion loss in the first fiscal quarter of 2021. So that runs from October to January. So, you know, if you needed it again, uh, you needed a, a clear monetary indicator of just how mental the impact of the pandemic is on these theme parks there you have it and the vast majority of that is domestic because obviously disneyland's been shut this entire time and uh, disney world is operating at a hugely reduced capacity with no tourists so uh and the you know international parks it's been a real mixed bag as we discussed paris has been a bit of a mess uh, you've had places like hong kong and shanghai which i think have kind of opened then shut then opened again i think hong kong is still shut actually uh, i think it's just walt disney world and shanghai that have kind of been consistently open uh, over the past few months uh, certainly covering this uh this period here so yeah uh, i think the final stuff really that i noted from the investor call was some comments from bob chapek about kind of what the parks might look like in 2021 of the rest of 2021 and then 2022 so uh, I'll just read these out. I know you're a big fan of Bob Chapek, Josh. So uh, hey, yeah, you'll, yeah, you'll, yeah, you'll be on absolute tenterhooks here, I'll, uh, yep. and can give give your take on what he's had to say. Uh, so he was asked about what Disney expects in terms of restrictions and the state of the parks uh, in the in the near term, and he said, "I, I won't specifically comment." On whether, sorry, I should make this more authentically Bob Chapek. <laughs> well, I won't specifically comment on uh, on whether we anticipate getting to 2019 revenues by 2022, but I will tell you what our expectations are in terms of the state of the world by then. We have no doubt 
uh, when we reopen up in parks that were closed or increase the capacity that we'll have some level of social distancing and mask wearing for the remainder of this year. That's our expectation. But I believe that Dr. Fauci, uh, that's Anthony Fauci to you, is the White House um, kind of chief uh, virology expert. Uh, uh, he, he had said, this is Bob Chapek quoting Dr. Fauci, uh, I believe that Dr. Fauci said earlier today that he hopes there is vaccines for everyone who wants them by April. If that happens, that is a game changer and that could accelerate our expectations and give people the confidence that they need to come back to the parks. Will there be overlap until we know that we have herd immunity? Sure there will. Do we believe we'll be in the same state of six feet social distance and mask wearing in 2022? Absolutely not. What do you reckon, Josh? There's no way the whole of the US has vaccines by April. No, probably not. Um, I mean, and I know, I know, surprising number of American citizens think vaccines are going to are bad for them, um, more so than most other civilized nations. But there's still no way. No, I think that's optimistic. Uh, they, yeah. they they will have done very very well if they feel like they have offered the vaccine to every American by April. And we should keep yeah. you know, uh, I I feel passionate about this uh, in certainly in actual news. But even I think in a on a crappy little podcast like this, we should emphasise that generally when people uh, when politicians especially are saying we're going to vaccinate everyone by X date, they generally really are actually talking about the first dose. And it's worth yes. noting that all these various vaccines, whether you're talking about Pfizer, whether you're talking about uh, Oxford, AstraZeneca, whether you're talking about Moderna, I think it's the case with Moderna. I know it's not the case with Johnson & Johnson, which is a single-shot vaccine, which is why... Moderna is two. Moderna is two, right. Yeah, these these vaccines, the ones you've probably heard most about, are all two-shot vaccines. And, you know, there's been some optimistic uh, research done, I think, about how efficacious some of them are with one shot and are actually maybe more effective than they were than first thought. I think the Oxford one, especially there's been this, like there's, there seems to be this weird smear campaign going on against the Oxford vaccine from various parts of the world. And it's kind of really disappointing to see that happening, but it does seem like that one is actually uh, better with a with a one dose or at least a longer gap between doses than first thought. I think with the Pfizer and the Moderna one, that it's a bit more unclear, but regardless, uh, everyone really should be getting two doses uh, eventually and I think it's only then when you can say with confidence that people have like really good protection like full protection uh, and then you know we'll have to wait we probably won't know until later in the year whether or not you're going to need booster jabs and stuff like that and if it becomes like flu and that becomes you know uh, a serious logistical challenge for everyone really because obviously health services around the world right now are you know, take ours for example the NHS is achieving incredible things by vaccinating this many people in such a short space of time but that's because it's like a huge focus like they've opened these huge centers and have got like so many people working on it that don't get me wrong it's still very impressive but when you put that much manpower and resource behind it you can achieve it but this is not what happens every year for flu like it's just you book an appointment it's all very standard like if if you if you need everyone to get vaccinated for covid every year uh, you can't really do it like this every time. It wouldn't be sustainable, I don't think. So it presents another logistical challenge to like yeah, standardise the COVID vaccine it, process. Like, I don't think it becomes it? vaccinating the whole population every year. It becomes the, exactly the same as the flu, where it's like, mm. if you want it, you can take it, but we're not going to like force you to take it. Um, Actually, you'll probably have to go, if you're not at risk, you'll have to go to Boots and pay for it. Boots is a local British pharmacy, if you're unaware. Um, <laughs> it's not a shoe shop. I know it's confusing. Yeah, it is. Um, like, so, uh, I got the flu vaccine in 2019, but I'm not at risk, so I have to pay for it. Luckily, my company supplies free uh, flu jabs, so I'd imagine it'll be the same process for covid vaccines once this is all over because i would imagine that we will have to have boosters mm. yeah you're probably right but yeah i just wanted to put that out there i think it's important and i think you know it's uh you've got to remember that when when people like bob chapek are talking about vaccines they probably also are only talking about a first dose because they want you know the absolute they want things to be normal at 
the absolute quickest as possible. And obviously we all do, but yeah. And I think it's angry uh, investors, you want to you want to feed them the mo- the absolute most optimistic line you possibly can and uh yeah, you overlook things by doing that. And I think it's important so over here uh the government are saying that they reckon they're going to get everyone uh over 55 vaccinated by May mm. um which so all that's over sort of 55s plus me. <laughs> plus you, yeah. So that's the sort of time scale we're looking at in in England at least so you'd think that the US would probably realistically be on a similar scale. Um, you know, there's there's obviously upsides and downsides to all of this, so they could get it a lot quicker, they could get it a lot slower. It just depends on production predominantly, I think. Yeah. And what do you think about him saying masks and social distancing might not be necessary in the parks in 2022? I, I feel like they can't... I, I don't know if they... Will it be... Will they be enforced? I don't know. I mean, I'm only speaking personally. I'm not sure I'm going to just drop the mask habit just because I've got a vaccine and I'm confident everyone else has. I feel like it's kind of probably going to be something that I probably take a mask out maybe wherever I go at this point. I could just take it out with like my keys and my wallet and my phone. It's just something I take with me and I wear it if I'm um, if I feel uncomfortable somewhere. And also I look better in a mask, frankly. <laughs> I, I, I it, Theoretically, if everyone is... So in the UK, if everyone is vaccinated by the end of the year, just taking the UK, um, then I don't see why we need to be wearing masks in 2022. It seems wholly redundant. Think think how much more think how much merch money they're lay, they're leaving on the table if they stop telling you to wear masks at Disney, Josh. Why? Yes, I know, but I think a lot of people aren't buying Disney. A lot of people aren't buying dis- Disney masks. Um, Those Universal was... masks look pretty good, though. Yeah, the, the Universal ones do look cool. Uh, a a twenty twenty two where we don't have to wear masks is my ideal situation. I'm not going to wear a mask any longer than I have to. I don't see the like because then you know why haven't you been wearing a mask for your whole life anyway? Because you know flu or whatever, right? So um, if everyone well, is vaccinated, I... I don't see the reason why we have to carry on wearing masks. I, ne- I never contemplate I never knew, having a mask. I never knew they did me so many favours. Now that I know, I can't go back. <laughs> that that's a fair argument. <laughs> uh, and I know a lot of people but, in that work in London. Um, you know, maybe they cycle to work or whatever. Do wear masks because of uh, pollution more than anything. So um, hmm. maybe maybe uh, people have, will have thought about that a bit more, and we wear masks because of that. Ideally, people have thought of that a bit more and decide to not drive to work or to put pressure on their local government or council to change policies to try and uh, move to uh, safer vehicles sooner. I didn't realise this podcast was becoming a soapbox for you to launch a political career. I know you've well, long you know, I just jested about uh, yeah. Josh for MP of this here fine town of Dartford, but. I didn't realise, I didn't realise you were quite so serious. I guess you are. No, no one will vote me, and that's just that's mental. What I'll mental vote for idea. you, Josh. Uh, thanks. Uh, I need five hundred votes to get my five hundred quid back. Um, I'm not sure <laughs> I would get it. I, I'm sure you could. No, I'm sure you could rattle up five hundred votes. Yeah, I reckon so. Why not? Why All not? Right, I'll give it a go. It'll be, be a laugh, won't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put a stupid hat on. Stand next to Gareth Johnson. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Right. Well, um, I think that's going to do it. If I, I, I came into this, I think, you know, my first words to you on WhatsApp this morning were not much news today. Uh, we've now done an hour <laughs> of podcast. Perfect. Just what yeah, I like to hear. It's, it's impressive. Really. I mean, you're the, you don't have to edit it. So there we are. No, but then you do most of the talking, Tom. So it's, I think it evens out. I guess so. I don't know if that's a dig against me or or a thanks. I'm not. Sh- I don't know which. I don't know how to take that exactly. It's just a statement of fact. I guess it is. Yeah. But when you're an expert such as myself, who have been to so many theme parks, Josh, it's no surprise <laughs> that I do most <laughs> all of, the talk. of the theme parks. Well, I mean, Josh, you can talk some more if you like. Talk, Josh, talk. Do some talking. Talk some things. Uh, I'll get the show notes up at a reasonable time this week, guys. I promise. There we go. I've spoken some more. Um, maybe I'll do some streaming. Go on then. Keep going. Keep going. I feel um, like there's some bottled up, 
bottled up rage here. No, that's that's it, really. That's all I got. That's all you no, got. No, what no, you no rage. What, what are you complaining about? <laughs> I'm like, it's like that. It's like the bit on the blimp in Indiana Jones. <laughs> so it's a, just a matter of fact, you know. So the podcast now along, you got to do a lot of video editing. I just say you did a lot, a lot of talking. That's you know. Well, you know, it's because I'm I'm incredibly insightful, and sometimes when I'm talking, I listen to myself as I'm doing it, and I'm like, "Wow, you are talking a lot of sense." This is sometimes you're uh, overly phenomenal. insightful, Tom. This is phenomenal stuff. You should keep talking, yeah. and you know, people will thank you for it. Uh, every Josh, day, obviously, Josh doesn't appreciate genius when it's staring at him right in the face. I'm talking I'm to always him over, Tom. talking to him directly over Discord in this instance. I'm, yeah, we'll I'm be coming up thankful. soon, Josh, on a year of lockdown podcasts. It's on some of Gosh. my snowy walks this week. You know, I've partly walked the walk, the podcast walk, uh, and then, you know, turned off to go in different, various walk. different directions. And it's it's been weird. It's been like, I used to do this every Saturday morning without even thinking. It was just like, I wake up, I have some breakfast. I head out the door, see you later, mum and dad. I'm off to do a podcast. I come back a couple hours later and I've done that for a year. Yeah, I, I have I have been uh, working from home for exactly 11 months today. Wow. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to feel strange when you go back if, if that ever happens. Uh, yeah, well, it's, the, the, the word on the street is that uh, we may never go back. <laughs> you got to go back, Marty! I've forgotten what floor my office is on, to be honest. <laughs> you're going to have to find your locker. Yeah. You're not going to know. You can't remember what train to get. It's going to be an absolute the, mess. The only thing is, like, we watch something and there'll be a London land, like, cityscape. And I'll be like, oh, look, that's the building I used to work in. You know what you should do genuinely? Because I found myself doing this. It's not very good overall, but the fact that it's set in London elevates it a lot for me. The new Watchdogs game, because <laughs> I was driving around. It, obviously, it's a condensed version of London, but it's you know the the, the stuff they've done uh, is relatively accurate. Otherwise, and there are, there's a certain way I used to drive to and from work when I was driving at weird hours and would go through London uh, that I haven't done for a long time because uh, Vauxhall Bridge has been shut for ages. I don't actually know if it's reopened, but I've got so used to this other route I've since been doing that I. And I just do that route now by default. But I, I used to do Vauxhall Bridge and I found myself driving towards Vauxhall Bridge at the angle I, I used to do to go to and from work in Watchdogs and was like, this seems... I've I've been here before. <laughs> I recognise this. And then I started going over Vauxhall Bridge and was like, this is really weird. This is like driving home from work, coming over the bridge <laughs> at this angle. So maybe you should uh, maybe you should give it a look, and you could you know, inadvertently come across uh, landmarks uh, and roads that you used to you used to wander. I've just pulled up uh, a uh, screenshot from Watch Dogs Three. Uh, I can my building. I can see my building. Ah, <laughs> oh, well, there you go. I, th I feel like go. you need to you need to to get in on that. Yeah. Wow. You can fly up to the top of it on a drone and see what it, see what London looks like from the top of your building. That's mad. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. well, I'm going to have to go. I'm going to have to find buy this now. Damn it. Yeah, I guess so. It is on sale right now. But I, I got it. Some, I, I'll, I'll show you where I got it later. I got it pretty cheap. All right. Uh, cool. We've waffled on long enough. Uh, um, we like the, sound of our, like the sound of our own voices, apparently, especially me. <laughs> Josh, why don't you do the uh, wrapping up this week as I talk too much? Um... Thanks for listening, guys. As always, uh, we I, I usually tune out to this bit, if I'm honest. Uh, you can't remember what the email address is. <laughs> email address is... You can hit us up on the emails, uh, podcast at parkrush.com. Uh, we're on Twitter at parkrushpodcast. Yeah. yeah, that's right. What else we got, Josh? Um, are we still on Instagram? No. <laughs> okay, not on there anymore. Not, not on Facebook, not on MySpace. Uh, the podcast is available on parkrush.com and all yes. of your favourite streaming platforms of choice like Spotify or Apple Podcasts or whatever that's called these days. That's correct. Um, Plex, Tidal, you name it. <laughs> um, and you can find the show notes at joshualawrence.info. 
that's that's a bit yeah. I do. You got that? Mate. You've, you've missed one. You've missed one. You mentioned it earlier, but you, you didn't. You haven't done it as part of the wrap up yet. But can you oh, remember what it was? You, it's, uh, we were just talking about video games. Oh, uh, and we're on Twitch. Uh, yes. TV slash Park Rush. Yes. Yes. Nice one. Awesome. That, yep. that I think. That I think is everything. Good job, Josh. Nailed it. Right. You can say the goodbyes as well if you like. Um, goodbye.